Hi, and welcome to the Bloody Bizarre podcast where we talk about, well, it's pretty self-explanatory, really. The bloody and the bizarre. You know how I'm like, some words are dorky to me? Yeah. The letter B is dorky to me. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Like the sound, when, when I say bloody bizarre, I'm like, ugh. Is it the word bloody? No. Is it the word bizarre? It's the B. What about boil? Ugh. Does that sound dorky to you? Boil to me is blobulous. Bitch. Bitch is so dorky. Bastard. Yep. Am I wrong? Biscuit. Am I wrong? B is kind of dorky. Yeah. I'm glad you come here. And so is the um, letter V. V. Yeah. Vagina. Yep. Voluptuous. Viscosity. Viscosity. I don't mind V, but B does have a bit of a dorky feel to it. Yeah. And our podcast is BB. I know. Well, it's fitting, isn't it? Um, so welcome to this episode. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the past few. I'm Sarah. I'm Emma. We always forget to introduce ourselves. And it's important. Every other single podcast on this earth does introduce themselves. Yeah. I just kind of assume that it's always the same people listening. Well, also, it's because we're talking to each other and yeah. I know who you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've literally known you since the moment I was born. <laughs> yeah. Anything to update up the top? Um, shirts are rolling out to people. This is like we're a couple of weeks behind, as everyone knows. We record a couple of weeks in advance, so mm-hmm. people should ha- everyone should have their shirts by now that has asked for them. Mm-hmm. So, hope you're enjoying your merch, <laughs> lovingly created by me. Rep it. Tell people to listen if yeah. they ask where your shirts from. They. I could tell you or I could show you and then show them on their phone, uh, subscribe on their phone to the podcast. Yeah. Press subscribe for them just yeah. to make sure. Yeah. And then they'll get updates about when, when our episodes drop, which is every Sunday. I thought it was Monday. No, you update the Instagram on Monday. I've told you to do it on Sunday because that's when the episodes drop. Mm, okay. Oh, I didn't even know. Mm. Oh, is that a car? Yeah. There's a man in a truck outside and he's watching us. <laughs> Should I run over and ask him to subscribe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you seem a little creepy. Uh, how about you get- <laughs> Have I got something for you? <laughs> Today's episode is all about this creepy car- guys. These cars are fucking loud. At my- We're at my house again, so yes, you'll probably hear cars because I live on a kind of like the corner of a street. So sorry about that. Yeah, I'll just like pause if a particularly loud one goes past. Yeah, all right. Do you want to get started? Because you said yours is long today. Yeah, yep. And yeah, talking about a very creepy guy. Uh, do you know what I'm doing? No. I'm doing John Wayne Gacy. Oh, a heavy hitter. Yeah. I said to Emma just before we started recording that I regret doing this one. I hated it. I hated researching it. I I got halfway through and I was like, I I don't I don't want this. You you always like bite off these big chunks. Yeah, I know. The reason that I. I went with him because when I was doing the Dharma research, there's, there was a lot of overlap with Gacy because obviously they were active at similar times. They were both targeting young gay men. It, it like there was wasn't quite, Gacy boys. Some, oh, some boys, some boys, some men. Very young. Yeah. Very young men, but his age group was sort of like 14 to like 25, sort of thing. Okay. Um, Adolescence. Yeah, but I mean Dharma also. There was 14-year-olds in there. Yeah, righto. Both fucked. But i got to tell you, I hate Gacy so much more. Ah. He is so deeply unlikable. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Dharma is too, but Dharma had some, at least, like, a cover of redeeming qualities. Like, he, at least... I don't put think like it's a, a hot take to say that 
uh, John Wayne Gacy is unlikable. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like he, he. Yeah, I get it. There's, there's nothing, nothing likable. Nothing yeah. likable yeah. about him. Yeah. There's no like gray areas with him. But the funny thing about him is that he was really hiding in plain sight so much more than any other serial killer that I've researched. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought he was so normal and he. What about, um? oh, I guess we haven't researched him, but the um, uh, BTK. Yeah, I, I want to research him. I've yeah. got his daughter's book at home. Oh, yeah. I haven't read it yet. But... All right. Well, tell me about John Wayne Gacy. Okay. So my sources, I've only got three. Wikipedia. Yeah. Murderpedia. And um, the Netflix documentary, Conversations with a Killer. I thought I better watch all my Netflix stuff now because if they bring that password sharing stuff in here, I'm deleting Netflix. They can get fucked. You're out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've already cancelled my Netflix subscription. Yeah. Well, if they try and pull that shit, <laughs> bye-bye. Yeah. I've got plenty of other options, Netflix. Uh, it's called being a pirate. Cut that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not cutting that. Oh. Well, the FBI then might start looking into me and be like, holy shit, this is like the biggest one we've ever caught. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to do a massive trigger warning here, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of sexual assault and sexual abuse and it's also real heavy. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Make sure you're in the right frame of mind to listen to this one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So John Wayne Gacy, he's also sometimes people call him the killer clown. He was a murderer and sex offender who killed at least 33 people between 1967 and 1978. So we've said he's he's one of the more heavy hitter ones, more prolific serial killers that everyone's heard of. But there's just some there was some interesting things that sort of made me want to research it a little bit more. And I think it's worth talking about. Same with Dharma, the same reasons that I think it's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. You didn't know much about Dharma, so yeah. I'm hoping that you maybe don't know that I know, much. I, I know more about John Wayne Gacy than I do about Dharma, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Yeah. Okay. It's really fucked up. There's torture, sexual assault. It's it's just a very unpleasant, it's very unpleasant, this one. But psychologically, it's very interesting. Okay. I'm not going to sugarcoat things too much, but I also am not going to go into all the details mm-hmm. because it's it, I just don't have time. There's just so much with this one. And uh, I think just I can... Allude. Allude. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So with that aside, let's talk about Gacy. Also, I'm not not listening. It's just that um, my eyes do wander and then I fixate, but I'm still listening. It's just I know, I know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, let's talk about Gacy's childhood. See if you can pinpoint any particular things that may have contributed to him developing some of these violent tendencies. We need like a button. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like a little like... Have you, have you read the red-handed book? No. It is incredibly good. I it's, With a baby, it's just like I'm still trying to finish Zealot. And I started that book like months ago. Yeah, you spoke about it in one of our episodes last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read like half a chapter at a time. The only reason I mention it here is because it, the book is, is like it goes through serial killers. It goes through like disturbed people and kind of like talks about how people become the way they are. It's like it's very much like um, a criminology book. Yes. Yeah, it's very, very good. I, I have no, no doubt. doubt. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had that luxury. Must be nice. <laughs> it is lovely not having children. I don't have kids. Although some people that are listening already have kids. Too late for you. John Wayne Gacy was born 17th of March, 1942. During the Second World War. 39 to 45. Yeah. Um, to parents Marion Elaine Robinson and John Stanley Gacy in Chicago, Illinois. He had two sisters who he was very close to. Can I just say, my story next week is set in Chicago. 
a lot of them are in the Midwest. Yeah, Chicago is fucked up. Um, Dharma was in the Midwest. <laughs> it's weird. They and during this time period too, people were just getting picked off. But do you know the serial killers? Can, do you know the American state with the highest murders per capita? Where? Do you want to guess? L.A. Alaska. L.A. is not a state, but I know oh, it's California. Yeah. California. Uh, it's Alaska. Interesting. Mm. I think California is like fourth or something like that, or maybe even lower down. But yeah, but I'm talking about like serial killers. Like it just seems the Pacific like the- Northwest has a lot too. Like yeah, know, that's Oregon. true. Yeah. yeah, America seems to have a lot. Mm-hmm. They do. <laughs> anyway. So his mum was a homemaker and his dad, John Senior, was a mechanic. He was also a World War One veteran. His dad was? Yeah. His dad's family were Polish. So I'm not sure if they immigrated before or after the war. Um and I I don't know. It didn't I didn't look into it that what much. What that situation was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if there was a bit of trauma there. But um, would- e- either way you'll see that John Senior was pretty fucked up i would say without a doubt yeah yeah okay so his dad who was probably experiencing some undiagnosed ptsd was an alcoholic and a violent one at that john senior was not only physically abusive to gacy as he was towards the rest of the family but was extremely emotionally abusive he regularly called gacy dumb and used to beat him for any minor mistake that he made mm-hmm. sometimes he would he would beat them for no reason um his mum often tried to shield gacy from the abuse and in response his dad would call him a mama's boy tell him he was gay which at that time is obviously quite an insult and yeah he he would if he got drunk, then he would randomly just... One of Gacy's friends said that one day his dad came up from the basement drunk and just started laying into Gacy. They mm-hmm. didn't even say anything, just started beating him up. Same with his mum. One day they were all just sitting down to dinner and he just turned around and punched the mum in the face. Like, just no reason, no rhyme or reason. When Gacy was a kid, he was also um, molested by a family friend. He never told anyone about this. But Gacy and his friends also molested a little girl around the same time. And obviously it is quite common for children who are being sexually abused to act out things on other children. When his dad found out about this instead of, you know, trying found to... Found out about him? Him, him and the, his friend. Okay. Like, yeah. Touching this little girl. Yeah. He didn't sort of look into any deeper reason behind it. Um, he whipped Gacy with a leather strap. That'll fix it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Gacy was a big boy, even as a child. He wasn't able to play sports because he had a heart condition that caused him to pass out if he did anything too strenuous. Um, And this gave his dad even more reason to tease him and, you know, uh, have a go at him. So between 14 and 18, Gacy estimated himself that he spent almost a year in hospital due to his heart condition and other medical issues. But his dad openly accused him of faking it for sympathy. He never did get diagnosed what was wrong with him. So maybe he was faking some stuff for sympathy. But yeah, on the dad's side. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He's got a point. John Senior is the <laughs> Yeah. Maybe yeah, John Senior knew knew from the get go yeah, was yeah. like, this kid's fucked. Some old lady came and told him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what your son's gonna grow up to do. He's like, Jesus, all right, well guess I'll have a go at him early. <laughs> When he turned 18, Gacy started working in politics, working as assistant precinct chairman for a Democratic Party candidate. Um, His dad didn't like this, calling Gacy a patsy. And I looked up what this position entails. It's pretty much they would just, like, do things around the community for people and be like... Kind of like a... Vote for your 
vote for this guy. I'll I'll help you weed your garden. Vote you know, for the Democrats. I have worked for I've worked for people telling them to vote for people. Like I've 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 worked for candidates in elections, been like vote for this person. What and like done stuff for them? Yeah, like worked at polling stations through my job. Yeah, well, this was like he was just the person in the community. So, like in your neighbourhood, say a you counselor. needed you needed help with something like random. a good Samaritan that is like has a has an ulterior motive. Yeah, yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah. yeah. All right. So his dad bought him a car around this time. Um, hey, John Cena is not all bad. Listen to this though. He made Gacy pay it off in instalments to him, which is fair enough. Mm-hmm. But he would confiscate the keys if Gacy did or said something he didn't like. So just totally controlling. But, you know, if you've bought, I guess he's 18. Yeah, and he's paying it off. So it's like he could just be paying it off to someone else and have control of it. Well, he should do that. Well, I mean, I guess his dad bought the car as a means of control. Okay. At one point, Gacy had a spare key cart. And so his dad, a mechanic, fucked with the engine so the car wasn't drivable. After this incident, Gacy had had enough and left home. He relocated to Vegas where he started working as a mortuary attendant. Mm. It's fun. Apparently he also kind of lived at the mortuary. I didn't really understand this part because it was like he was sleeping there. In, so, in, the, um, in the drawers. <laughs> well, like I, I, <laughs> I think like separately but on the premises well you know like on bob's burgers yeah there's that funeral home and the people live above it yeah maybe it's something like that his room was apparently near where the bodies were embalmed apparently while he was doing this job he started to become inappropriate with some of the bodies including climbing into the coffin of a teenage boy who had died and caressing the body following this this apparently freaked him out like he he was like i'm fucked up yeah exactly and he returned to his parents house in chicago when gacy returned to illinois he completed a business qualification and started working as a manager for the nunbush shoe company he was quickly transferred to springfield illinois and was promoted quite quickly in 1964 he married his first wife co-worker marlon myers Um, i like the name marlon Marlon. for a girl Mm. yeah it's nice I thought it was Marilyn for ages, but then when I heard the, like, I wrote Marilyn. It's written Marilyn here, but then when I, <laughs> you know what I'm like. Yeah. But then when I watched the documentary, I heard him talking about Marilyn, and I was like, oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, excuse me, I think it's pronounced Marilyn. <laughs> Sorry, John, I think you'll find that it's actually Marilyn. <laughs> so it sounds like Marlon's family were rich because oh. her dad just casually bought three KFC stores for Gacy to manage. Very lucrative so, yeah, he was making a fair bit of coin. So at the same time, Gacy joined the JCs, which from what I can gather is like a sort of fraternal club that's like a leadership organisation, sort of like one of those kind of wanky things. Um, boys club. Yeah. Literal boys club. Yeah. Yep. Um, it was for young people like 18 to 30 or 18 to – sorry, 18 to 35 or something like that. But it's like they they would do good things in the community, like they would raise money for charity and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Okay. But it was also like they would upskill people in business leadership. It was like a good way to rub shoulders with other business people in the community. I do kind of get culty vibes from it, but I also don't fully understand it. So, Do you know what JC stands for? Mm, I could probably look it up. It's all right. <laughs> Um, here's their creed. This was their creed in the forties. Okay. okay. This was in the forties, but yeah. it's still, 
We believe that faith in God gives meaning and purpose to human life, that the brotherhood of man transcends the sovereignty of nations, that economic justice can be best won by free men through free enterprise, that government should be laws rather than of men, that earth's great treasures lie in human personality, and that service to humanity is the best work of life. I mean, not doesn't sound too... Um, awful. Like no. I agree with some of what they're saying. No, it's not. It's they're not like an evil organization. Mm. I just think they're weird. <laughs> yeah, I think like uh, the way that I think about any club where it's like we do good for the community, join us. It's like you can do that on your own. Why do you need to join a club to do it? Mm. It's right. the connections. Oh, oh right, because people like people. Yeah. Listen, what, no, like the connections, like what people powerful do. connections. Yeah. Listen to some of the people that have been involved in the who have been members of the JCs in America. Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, Elvis, Richard Nixon, Charles Lindenberg, Howard Hughes, Bill Gates. This is just to name a few. There's more. So the reason I'm telling you about this weird club is because Gacy did really well with them. Are they different chapters? Yes. Yeah, okay. At this point in his life, Gacy was making great money. He was part of this really influential club and doing well with them. Um, He started inviting members and employees of the KFC. He managed back to drink and socialise in his basement. He'd, like, set it up with a tiki bar and a pool table and stuff. I'd go back there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, it sounds like Good times, fun times, yeah. He regularly gave teenagers who were working there alcohol. But with the boys, he'd also start making advances towards them. If they called him out on it or were like, no, thank you, he would be like, oh, my God, I was only joking. <laughs> I was just mm. testing you. Look, it's a good it's a good play. Yeah. If you make a move and you get rejected, it's a good play to just say I was joking. Also, he was their boss. He was, like, the owner of the store. And, you know, he was getting them lick it up. It's very predatory. Mm. Yeah. Between 1966 and 1967, Gacy had two kids, a boy and a girl. He was still working and doing well with the JCs, and apparently this was the only time in his life when Gacy felt like his dad was proud of him. Apparently his dad came for a visit and shook his hand and was like, I was wrong about you. Sorry, I beat the shit out of you. Gacy has described this period in his life as perfect. Gacy and a lot of the other JC members were into some kind of kinky stuff. It's alleged that they used to wife swap and watch porn together and take drugs and hire sex workers and, like, they would do this stuff at Gacy's house. The other members have described Gacy as a bit of a braggart, but he was still quite well-respected and even served on their board of directors. But this is where things start to go downhill for Gacy and when we start to see his true colours come out. You ever think like so you said like they they engaged in some freaky stuff like taking drugs for example that was one of the things you said hiring sex workers right well i don't think those things on their own are freaky but like you know what i mean like, i know what you mean i do and like i would describe i would say the same thing but do you ever think like if those things were more accepted in our society people would not be kind of hiding them when they did them and it wouldn't be this kind of like thing that they're ashamed of absolutely yeah i mean we'll go on to see that the as with Dharma, it was a lot of the homophobic rhetoric at the time mm. that made him push like, down yeah, his it's obvious like they repress- homosexual urges yeah. and it came out in violent ways. Yeah, and that's like so often the case is like 
if if society was just more accept, I'm not yeah. I'm not blaming society. These people are horrible. P- people like, like uh, you know are hiding their sexuality and don't mm. go on to murder 33 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like in so many other circumstances as well, when people are like violent or horrible or you know are mean or are meanies, <laughs> um, <laughs> if if the society that we lived in was just a little bit more accepting or maybe it wasn't even like um, a taboo thing for people yeah. to, for example, take illicit drugs that yep. like are maybe. Um, maybe like we should still be saying that meth and stuff is is wrong mm. um, or is not wrong. Maybe you shouldn't be doing it because it's so harmful. Yeah. Um, but things like LSD. Oh, uh, did you see the news recently? What? The- Australia has become the first country to legalise like the use of um, LSD and psilocybin for medical purposes. For medical purposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. exciting. It is. I want to do that for depression. You should give it a go. But it's generally, I think, for treatment. Resistant. Resistant yeah. depression. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, rambling. Get back to your story. All right. Back to it. So, yeah, this is where things start to go downhill for him. Toward the end of 1967, Gacy invited 15-year-old Donald Voorhees Jr. to his house to watch porn. Now, this kid was the son of a fellow JC's member. For some reason, this was normal, the watching porn thing, apparently. Well, if they're all doing it, like, in the club. Yeah. It's going to be normalised, isn't it? Yeah. Still, to be like, hey, can your son come over and watch porn with me? Well, I don't think he asked the dad. I think he went directly to the kid. Okay. What he actually did was get him blackout drunk and sexually assault him. It wasn't the first time he'd sexually assaulted a teenage boy, but his other victims hadn't told anyone about the abuse. He used to do things like tell these boys that it was for um, medical research, that he was like researching homosexual activity and stuff like that. And because they were kids, they kids are naive. Yeah. Um, also, like if you're if you're trying to like rationalize why something happened, you'd be like, well, he said it was for this. That's what it is. It doesn't mean I'm gay. Yeah. Like he would be like, I'll give you fifty dollars. Um, this is for research purposes. Oh, right. Yeah. It was. Um. But this Donald for his junior kid, he told his dad what happened, and Good they, boy. yeah, and they went to the police, and Gacy was charged with sodomy. He told everyone, Gacy told everyone, that the accusations were politically motivated because Donald Voorhees Jr.'s dad was running against him in the JCs. It wasn't enough that Gacy had scarred this kid for life by sexually abusing him. He went on to hire a kid that worked for him to beat Donald Jr. up so that he wouldn't testify. So, like, this kid went and found Donald, sprayed him with mace, started beating him up, but Donald managed to get away. And the plan totally backfired because the kid was arrested and immediately told police, (laughs) John Wayne Gacy gave me $300 to beat this kid up. Dickhead? Yeah. Fucking idiot. So Gacy was sentenced to 10 years in prison for this, which is surprisingly appropriate. He only served 18 months of that time. Oh my gosh. He was assessed by a psychiatrist around this time. They had some very interesting things to say about him. They said that he could be psychopathic. They said that he had an antisocial personality disorder. And the person who was assessing him believed that prison and, you know, psychiatric help would not do anything. Whoever did the assessment at this time was very on the money. They Mm. basically said that he was going to go on to commit more crimes Mm. and that treatment was not going to help. Treatment resistant. (laughs) Treatment resistant, (laughs) Gacy. So his wife, Marlon, promptly divorced him while he was in jail. (laughs) Good on you, Marlon. But Gacy actually seems to have done quite well inside. He's one of these people who, I don't know how to describe him, but it's like he, well, I guess psychopathic, he he will do well. He's somebody who will do well wherever he's put. He'll thrive. Yeah, Um, manipulative. Yeah. So he became a cook 
and as such had quite a bit of power. And Mm -hmm. in the documentary, they talked to somebody else who was at the prison with him and it was sort of like, if you didn't do what Gacy wanted, he would put mouse poo in your food and stuff like that. So it was like you kept him on your good side because he was controlling your food. And uh, Gacy has actually said himself that he craved power. He wanted to be powerful. And you see that in so many facets of his life. So he started a chapter of the JCs inside and he recruited a heap of new members. He joined the choir. So he was like, he said in his tapes with her, whatever that Netflix show was, like all braggy about how like, well, I could either like let this destroy me or I could make the most of it and be positive and shut up. Yeah. Fuck up, Gacy. While he was in jail, though, his dad died. I don't know, I feel like so many of Gacy's issues were around his relationship with his dad and maybe his dad dying flicked some kind of a switch for him Um, because up until now he obviously is showing like real, like he's sexually abusing kids. He hasn't killed anyone yet though. Yeah, but you can see he's like teetering on the edge. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he was released on parole in 1970 with a condition of his parole being that he had to move back to Chicago and live with his mother. So by February of 1971, keep in mind he was released in 1970. I don't know what month, but February of 1971, he'd already sexually assaulted another young boy after luring him to his car at the Chicago Greyhound Terminal. The charges were dropped after the boy didn't attend court. In June, he was arrested again for sexual assault. But again, the charges were dropped. We see this all the time with these cases. Sexual crimes just aren't Mm -hmm. taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Gacy's parole officer didn't even hear about these incidents. Somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Is it like... Well, remember, he he had influential friends. Right. So, But he didn't go to prison in Chicago, did he? No. So was it possible that his parole officer was in Chicago and it just wasn't shared across lines? Possible. Um, but, listen, in Chicago, did I say that? but listen to this, just eight months after leaving prison and eight and a half years early from his original sentence, hmm. Gacy's parole ended and his records were sealed. Why? He's not a child. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Hmm. So from the outside from here, it would have appeared that Gacy was making a fresh start. He bought a house in a middle-class suburb. I hate that his parole officer would have been like, what a model yeah. parolee. Yeah, exactly. He's done. And, and then meanwhile, there's this like trail of destruction that yep, he's causing. all of these poor kids, mm. these poor boys that probably went on to have all sorts of issues. fucked up issues mm. for the rest of their life. Yep. And he's just bought himself a nice little house. And, and people have been like, pat him on the head. Good job, John Wayne Gacy. We're going to seal your record so that no one knows what fucked up things you've done. Yeah. He was a good neighbour. He started his own construction business and he married um, a woman called Carol Hoff, who he'd briefly dated in high school. Carol had two children of her own from a previous relationship um, who Gacy became stepfather to. The family would host these huge themed summer parties every year that very influential people in town used to attend. Up to 400 people would attend these parties and he would have different themes like one year it'd be like a Western theme. That's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was very popular. This is the thing with him. Yeah. That's weird. He was very popular. I don't think it's very weird at influential. All. It's like it's just, he's a psychopath, isn't he? So he's like yeah. he's gonna be very charming. He's gonna be able it's just, to. It's just with other psychopaths who do this sort of thing, they do tend to keep to themselves a bit more. Like sometimes, but sometimes not. I guess. I mean, Ted Bundy had a had a girlfriend and was like, you know, he he worked with that late Anne Rule, and she was like, no, nah, I couldn't be him, and she mm-hmm. was like into true crime and stuff, and yeah, yeah, I guess. Behind closed doors, Gacy's marriage to Carol wasn't great. So um, he informed her that he was bisexual, but after one particular time that they had sex, he was like, we're not doing that anymore. We're not having (laughs) sex anymore. 
she was like, uh, okay, what the fuck? Um, and instead he started bringing teenage boys back to the house and going out to the garage with them watched a heap of gay porn and like flaunted it like she she was seeing it and so she confronted him um and he says in the tapes it's really annoying he's like i wasn't doing anything but after she accused me i was like oh well i might as well like whatever you lying sack of shit like (laughs) carol asked for a divorce and they did end up filing for a divorce but when they put down the reason they said that it was just infidelity they didn't specify now the clown thing If the JCs and his business, which he worked at for up to 16 hours a day, weren't enough, Gacy was also a part of a local moose club, which is another kind of fraternal organisation, probably another one that was great for networking and stuff. Through this club, he heard about a clown club called the Jolly Jokers, who would perform at charity events and stuff. So he joined these guys too. So he's working this 16 hours own business. Mm. He's part of the JCs, the Moose Club. 16 now hours the a day, that jokers. only gives you eight hours to get sleep. Mm-hmm. So you're literally working 16 hours, going home, and, like, I assume it's, like, a, you know, a half-hour trip home. Mm-hmm. So then you're – Remember, it's his own business too, so he's, like – Doing the books and everything. Yep, and all of these clubs. No. And I believe in this time – I don't know if he'd started killing people, but he certainly was abusing people. I sometimes say that I'm too busy to shower and I'm not working 16 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how he had time for all of this stuff. Yeah. It's weird. Unless anyway. he's lying about working 16 hours a day. I don't know. Other people have sort of backed up that he was an extremely hard worker. He had a lot of drive. Anyway, so he joined this clown club and he came up with two clown characters of his own he used to do the makeup and everything himself there was pogo who was a happy clown and patches who was more serious oh yeah that's a more serious name he performed as both of these clowns for years at different parties political events you name it he was all over sarah's dog is called patchy and mum sometimes calls him patches she always calls him patches (laughs) (laughs) he's he's only patchy Please, use his Christian name. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is why he's sometimes referred to as the killer clown yeah. and why there's that creepy picture that circulates mm-hmm. of him dressed up as a clown. So he was also involved in his local Polish club. Oh, fucking hell. He was also doing a heap of um, stuff for the Democratic Party um, and he kept all of this stuff up even after he started murdering people. So, Well, you've got to keep that image, don't you? I do not know when this guy slept, showered. Maybe lack of sleep is something that contributed to his um, issues. Perhaps maybe part of his mental health was like he only he only needed like I mean, but that, that psychiatrist didn't mention an illness. She mentioned a disorder. Yeah, so. yeah. So Gacy continued to sexually harass and assault the young boys that he hired to work for him for years. With his business, PDM, he used to hire, like, mainly young boys. And when people would ask about this, he would say, like, oh, I'm giving them a start. I'm, you know, giving them a start in business. And because he was so philanthropic in the community, I think it was sort of like, oh, good old Gacy, helping out these young boys, helping them get get a job. Quick turnover, but, I mean, he's doing a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, these poor kids were probably too embarrassed or scared to tell anyone what happened, and Gacy just kept getting away with it. Gacy's first actual murder is thought to have happened in January of 1972 when he lured 16-year-old Timothy McCoy to his car from the Greyhound bus station. Timothy had been in Chicago visiting family. I I, I don't know. Some sources say that he had run away from home, but some sources say that he was 
visiting his family over Christmas. Um, either way, he was returning to Michigan on the Greyhound bus. So mm-hmm. he was at the bus station. Gacy said, I'll take you for a, a tour of the town of Chicago and invited him back to his place for a bit and said, I'll like drive you back to the station when it's time for you, for you bus, to catch yeah. your bus. Obviously, that never ended up happening. Do you remember when we were in Seattle and we were at that bus station really early in the morning? It was scary. And it was like under a bridge. And, yeah. um, and there was that guy there. Yeah. Mm. He was okay, around. though. Yeah, he was fine. He ended up being okay, he but I was like, fine. what if he was Yeah, it was so dodgy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were under a bridge at a Greyhound bus stop in Seattle and <clears throat> there was no one around and the Greyhound place wasn't open yet and it, our bus was leaving in like, what, 30 minutes? Yeah, and, and no we were one... like, where the fuck is everyone? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So scary. Sort your shit out, Greyhound. That was really scary. <laughs> and the Greyhound bus stop in LA is, is in like the middle of... Um, Skid Row. Skid Row. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Driving through there, that was like... That was a culture shock moment for me. Yes. Driving through Skid Row. I was yeah. like, this is a developed country. What? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. How is this here? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So um, the kid came back with him. Apparently they had some consensual sex. Bullshit. The, it was a kid, though, so he can this say is, it's consensual, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's still it's it's rape, but also bullshit that the kid consented anyway. I mean, the kid can't consent, but, you know, that he went along with it. Bullshit. <laughs> this is all according to John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, so he the kid slept over anyway because mm-hmm. um, his bus wasn't until the morning. Gacy's story is that when he woke up that morning, Timothy was standing in the doorway with a knife in his hand and he felt threatened. Fuck off. He grabbed the knife from Timothy and stabbed him multiple times. He said that it was only when he went out into the kitchen that he saw breakfast was half made and two spots were set at the table and he realised that Timothy had just come to wake him up for breakfast that he was cooking. Fucking liar. So sad. Like, this kid obviously was like making brekkie i don't think for i don't believe for a second that he was in the doorway with the knife or anything like that i reckon john wayne gacy just decided that he he needed to kill this kid or he wanted to that was like you know him heightening his yeah uh, yeah well um he he later said that while timothy was dying and he said like making the noises while he was dying he experienced a mind-numbing orgasm yeah and so that then he realised that death was what really like really got him going. Don't tell yeah. us that, Mr. Yeah, Gacy. Yeah, keep some stuff to yourself. Why do all these serial killers feel the need to tell us they're like most private? Because their ego is so massive that yeah. they're like they're loving being the centre of attention yeah. when they finally end up telling people. Yeah. It would be two years before Gacy murdered again, according to him. Mm, I don't believe that either. Yeah. So his next victim was killed by strangulation in 1974. And I believe that second victim is still unknown. Oh, okay. Possibly. It's very murky because um, there were so many victims and they're not even sure if 33 is the actual number. They think it might be more. I I bet it is. Uh, A year later, he murdered 18-year-old John Buktovich or Bukovic. I think it might be Bukovic, who was an employee of PDM. This murder was mid-1975 and Gacy has said that this is the one, this is the kid that he felt he didn't feel guilty about any of his murders even when he's talking about it afterwards there's no not even a hint of remorse but this is one where he was like the fondest of this kid no one gives a shit who you're fond of yeah 
So this were this kid worked for him and he said that they had like a father-son relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah. After this he said that he really started to ramp up the frequency of his murders and he would he started to go out and seek victims like cruising around. He used to call it cruising, going around and you know asking boys if they wanted to come back to his house and stuff like that. Now, Gacy killed so many people that I'm not going to be able to go through every murder specifically because it would take – we would have to do, like, several episodes. What I'm going to do is I'll, I'll tell you generally what he would do to these okay. kids and then at the end I'm going to just list all of his victims okay. that are known of because yeah. some of them are still unknown. So he would generally lure a boy in either to talk about a job opportunity, to have a drink, or sometimes it would be a sex worker under the pretense of just having sex. He'd ply these kids with drugs and alcohol and then he would perform what he called the handcuff trick. And what he would essentially do is he would put the handcuffs on himself and get out of them without mm. the key. And then he would be like, I'll show you how to do the handcuff trick. So he'd put the handcuffs on these boys when they would, they would like struggle to get out of them. And then they'd be like, okay, how do you do it? And he'd be like, the trick is that you need the key. So then he would start doing what he wanted to do to them. And it is really disgusting. Like when you go into it, the stuff that he did to these kids, he would rape and torture them for hours, sometimes days. He would do stuff like take them into the bathroom, half drown them, then bring them back to life, continue to torture them and rape them. So he's them. like, he's a sexual sadist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To the point that a lot of these boys were begging him to kill them. Yeah. Finally, he would slowly kill them by wrapping a rope around their throat and tightening it gradually. I haven't included all the nitty gritty because it would it would just take too long, but this is essentially what he did. Most of his victims were strangled with this rope thing. He called it the rope trick. Um, but some of them actually asphyxiated from getting um, – he would stuff, like, cloths down their throat. Um, just fucking horrible. Yeah. He, he put them through hell before yeah. he killed them. Yeah. In 1978, Gacy lured 26-year-old Jeffney Rignall to his car and chloroformed him. He then drove him to his house and restrained him in, like, a pillory. What's that? Just, like, the thing where your arms are, like, it's like a wood block. And yeah. Like a medieval... Yeah, yeah. He raped and tortured him for hours and he kept chloroforming him. So this guy got burns oh, all over his face. Yeah. Before dumping him, dumping him in a park unconscious but alive really unusual did you explain no no jeffrey reported all of this to the police now jeffrey was a gay man who was out he Mm. was out of the closet and so when they arrested gacy they arrested him for battery not for rape not for sexual assault not for any of that stuff they arrested him for battery what year was this like 70 75 76 yeah it was 78 keep in mind gacy had powerful friends and keep in mind the homophobia that was yeah, obviously yeah. so present at the time. But, yeah, this poor guy. In 1978, Gacy had run out of space for bodies in his crawl space. So he was arrested for battery. Yep. Charged, I assume. Yep. Was it just a, a fine? I'm guessing he didn't serve any jail time or anything no, for that. No, I'm guessing that if it was a rape charge, it would have held jail time and but because it wasn't he wasn't charged with rape or or you know aggravated rape which is what it should have been or something like that well actually because this happened in 1978 and he like everything comes to a head the following year i believe that what happened was he was out this was ongoing and he was out on bail when okay so he was awaiting sentencing yeah 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 okay so 
yeah, he may. I still don't think that he would have got a very serious sentence no. because they obviously didn't take this stuff seriously. Yeah. The fact that someone who is so dangerous like that would be out on bail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After such a violent attack that yeah. they would let him out on bail. And it's, I think it's fair to say it's because it was on a gay man. Oh, yeah. Like, it's the same. It's like when you were talking about that Dharma case, the, yeah. the kind of. They're like, the oh, it's, it's a gay crime. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's different than yeah. a normal crime. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, 1978, he'd run out of space for bodies in his crawl space, so he started dumping them off the I-55 bridge. He says that he disposed of five bodies here, but only four were ever found. In December of 1978, Gacy killed his final victim, Robert Peast, and this is what ends up getting him caught. Yeah. So Gacy was doing some construction work at the pharmacy Robert worked at and um, had mentioned to him that there was work going and it paid a lot better than the pharmacy job. So Mm -hmm. Robert went outside to talk to Gacy about this and was never seen again. Robert's family reported him missing. It's really sad. It was his mum's birthday. So his mum came to pick him up because he'd said, yeah, wait for me because they were going to do dinner and stuff. And mum kept waiting and waiting and waiting and he never came back. Mm. So this is where the investigation really started. And from the get-go, Gacy was a person of interest because the police, obviously the they saw that he was there that day and they yeah. looked at his record and saw the sodomy charge from that boy, um, the 15-year-old. And I'm assuming the battery charges, battery charge as well. Yeah, well, they saw the battery charges. At first, I think it just, they were like, oh, battery, whatever. But they had to actually look into it to be like, hang on. The details of it. Yeah, Yeah. this is not actually just battery. This Mm. is a lot more serious. Gacy spoke with police and, of course, denied any involvement in peace disappearance. But the detectives obviously had seen his history, so they were suspicious of him. Police got a search warrant for Gacy's home, finding guns, police badges. Oh, that's something I didn't mention. One of the other ways that he would um, sometimes sexually assault people and lure people in was by pretending to be a cop. I hate that one. Um, he had a uh, Oldsmobile that looked a little bit like an undercover police car and he had this leather jacket he used to wear that made him look a bit like a plainclothes policeman. And so he had these badges. And um, he, in his interviews, he talks about... Oh, I never told anyone I was a cop. They just assumed and I didn't I didn't correct them. And he was like, I got a lot of free sex that way because people would be like, I'll do anything, just don't arrest me. You, so you raped a lot of people yeah, that way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, yeah, here's the stuff they found at his house. Oh, yeah, I, I told you they found police badges, <laughs> hypodermic needles, handcuffs, a two-by-four with holes at each end, a 46-centimetre dildo, which had blood on it. Ew. Prescription drugs and a class ring with someone else's initials, and also a heap of random driver's licenses right. of other people. Yeah. So obviously they were immediately like, "What the fuck? What is this?" But it wasn't anything specifically that pointed to this kid. So I'm I'm still just thinking about the 46 centimeter dildo. Yeah, it it's huge. I mean, that's like the size of one of those big rulers. Yeah, it would it would cause injury. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go into it too much, but he used to – he a lot of the bodies, the pelvic area was found with things yeah. just inside them. Yeah. So um, they were skeletal at that point, but yeah. obviously he was just shoving stuff up there. As I say, like just the, the hell that these mm. kids went through before mm. they died. So anyway, the police started tailing him, um, and he knew they were tailing him from the get-go so they just dropped the stop trying to be they like went up and were like yep we're tailing you 
So he sort of became quite buddy-buddy with the cops that were tailing him. They, on rotation, used to have the same cops that were doing that. Um, and he would often, like, go up to them and tell them where he was heading next and they would follow him. Um, he used to drive really fast and, like, try and lose them, though, just because he thought it was funny. One day he invited them into his home for a drink and when the heating kicked in, one of the officers got a brief whiff of decomposing flesh. And as a cop, he was like, I know that smell anywhere. Meanwhile, the cops had found out that Gacy had links to four or five missing boys and men in the area, including two of his employees. They also found the owner of the class ring, uh, John Syke, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, who was also missing. Something else they'd found in Gacy's house, which I didn't mention earlier, they found this little photo receipt from the pharmacy. So you remember back in the day when you used to get photos developed properly and they'd give you like a little tag. So this little photo receipt placed Robert Peast at his house because what had happened was on the day that he went missing, his co-worker had borrowed his jacket and she was at the till and she put this receipt in the pocket Mm -hmm. and then she gave the jacket back to Peast and he was wearing that jacket when he went missing. So the fact that that was in Gacy's house house meant that Peast was there. On that day, Peast must have been, or I suppose it could have been after, but that would mean that he was at Gacy's house after he went missing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So based on this and the smell, police were able to obtain a second search warrant Mm -hmm. um, and they started digging up the crawl space under Gacy's house. On December 20th, Gacy drove to his lawyer's office under the guise of discussing a civil suit he was going to file against the police for harassment. When he got there, he was dishevelled and wanted to drink. His lawyer got him a drink, which Gacy sculled, picked up a newspaper that had Robert Peast on the front and said, this boy is dead, he's in a river. He proceeded to give a thorough confession of most of his murders, staying at the office until the early hours of the morning before falling asleep. Being that lawyer... They talked to the lawyer in the documentary and he's like, it was the scariest night of my life. You'd think, like, he's confessing all this and then he's going to kill me and then he's going to go on the run. This That's lawyer, what I would This lawyer was friends with Gacy before this and so he had absolutely no idea. So when yeah. he was preparing this civil suit against the police, he was like, yeah, Gacy's innocent. They're just, yeah. like, they're harassing him. Yeah. And then he comes to his office and he's like, right, so here's the 33 people that I murdered. They're under my house. Like I'm trying to think of someone that I know that I'd be like, they would never do this, but then like if having they, them come to you and Yeah, like who that would be. I guess like someone like Nick. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> you know, Imagine. like because he would be the last person I would suspect. Yeah. So the way Gacy described his crimes truly was disgusting. Yeah. Like at least with Dharma, there was like this veneer of like, oh, I feel bad about it. Gacy Which, didn't feel bad in the slightest and he didn't even try to pretend that he felt bad. He talked about doing the rope trick to kill most of his victims and I, I told you it's where you slowly tighten a rope around someone's neck. Mm. He said he buried them in his crawl space because he felt that they were his property but he had to start throwing them in the river because, yeah, he ran out of room. So he said there were about 30 people buried in his house and about five more who'd been thrown in the river. When Gacy woke up the next morning, his lawyer had organised a psych appointment for him. Gacy seemed confused and his lawyer was like, you told me last night that you murdered 30 people. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Gacy was like, oh, I can't think about that right now. I've got work to do and left. So so the lawyer had said to the police that were tailing him because there was like the lawyer uh, client confidentiality thing. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't directly tell the police i don't think but he said to the police don't let him leave but they didn't know what was going on so they just continued tailing him and 
they they noticed that he was acting very strange on this day. So he drove to a servo and he gave the attendant a bag of weed. Hadn't they already started digging up his crawl space? Uh, it was like happening simultaneously. Okay, okay. Like I think they got the. I think it was around the same time that they got the warrant. And he so went Gacy to his, knew that he knew they were going to be yeah. finding the body. So he went to the thing the next day. Wakes up. Yeah, they're maybe just like setting up to start digging. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then he went to his friend's house. Um, apparently he was crying and said, I've been a bad boy. I've killed 30 people. Gave him a hug and was... Yeah, I'd, I'd, maybe that's a little bit more than a bad boy. Yeah, yeah. He was, um, as he was driving, he was holding a rosary to his chin. And yeah, that's going to save you, mate. So at this point, remember, the cops didn't know that he had just confessed. So at yeah. this point, they're still like, we don't know if like we're suspicious of him, but we don't know that he's done anything. We are pretty sure he has, but we don't know. Um, so they just thought he was acting weird. So Gacy then also drove to his father's grave and the police started to become concerned that he was going to kill himself. Mm. They were like, this is very unusual. And so as such, they ended up arresting him on the possession and distribution distribution charge because mm-hmm. he'd given the weed to that servo attendant yep. just so they could keep him in custody while yeah. they started doing this um, search. So the cops doing this search quickly found human remains. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's fucking packed to the brim down there. Most of them were skeletons by this point or at least very decomposed, um, much too decomposed to be Robert Peast because, remember, he's only gone missing recently. So they knew there were multiple victims now. At this point, Gacy started confessing to several murders, okay. including Peast's. 26 bodies were eventually found in Gacy's crawl space and three more under his driveway and in his garage. Gacy's trial started in 1980. His defence team obviously went with the insanity angle Mm -hmm. because what else are they going to do? It's obviously guilty. And he therefore spent a heap of time with various psychologists and psychiatrists. He tried to convince them that he had multiple personalities, stating that there was the hardworking contractor, the clown, the politician, and Bad Jack, who was a policeman who apparently hated homosexuals. But the other thing to note is that he was fairly smart and he, in his house, had bookmarked a legal book um, (laughs) that had a a chapter on insanity defence. Dickhead. Yeah. So Also, an insanity defence is so hard to prove. Yeah. The prosecution weren't buying this, uh, pointing to the premeditated nature of Gacy's crimes and his attempts to conceal his crimes. Gacy was found guilty of 33 murders. I think the jury deliberated for like an hour, (laughs) which at the time was the most murders ever attributed to any one person in America. He was sentenced to death and finally executed in 1994 by lethal injection. It took 18 minutes for him to die, and I hope he suffered every fucking second of it. His final words were apparently, kiss my ass. Only, um, I think it's 28. There's different sources say different things um, of Gacy's victims were formally identified. So there's still some unidentified. In 2011, um, police advised that they had taken full DNA samples from all of the unknown victims and encouraged anyone with a blood relative male who went missing during the years Gacy was active to provide their DNA for comparison. This was quite successful. Um, solving four cold cases Mm. from that time period. The most recent identification of one of Gacy's victims was October 2021, the very recent. I'm now going to read out all of Gacy's known victims. Okay, this is going to take a while because there's a lot of them, okay? Okay. But I think it's important to name all of them. Timothy Jack McCoy, 16 years old. John Buktovich or Bukovich, 18 years old. Daryl Julius Sampson, 18 years old. Randall Wayne Reffitt, 15 Samuel Dodd Stapleton, 14. Michael Lawrence Bonin, 17. 
William Huey Carroll Jr., 16, James Byron Huckinson, 16, Rick Louis Johnston, 17, Kenneth Ray Parker, 16, Michael M. Marino, 14, William George Bundy, 19, Francis Wayne Alexander, 21, Gregory John Godsick, 17, John Allen Syke, 19, John Stephen Prestige, 20, Matthew Walter Bowman, 19, Robert Edward Gilroy, 18, John Anthony Maori, 19, Russell Lloyd Nelson, 21, Robert David Winch, 16, Tommy Joe Bowling, 20, David Paul Talsma, 19, William Wayne Kindred, 19, Timothy David O'Rourke, 20, Frank William Landingen, 19, James Mazara, 20, and Robert Jerome Peast, 15. So many fucking people. And, and like that's, that's just the ones that we know about. That's just the ones we know about. And also, mm. like, that's just going through and reading each name. Like, all of those. The ripple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we've said before, that yeah. just one of those <clears throat> names, the ripple. Yeah. And, like, that's a whole person with a whole life and yeah. all of their family and everything. And what they would have gone on to do in the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So many people. So, look, that's really – that's the end of that one. I I hated it. Um, it's such a fucking horrible story. The I hate thinking about the way that they died, and I feel sad now. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you all listening are okay. Uh, my story next week is not as depressing. Yeah, well, I realised that I've done two depressing ones in a row because I did the Luna Park Ghost Fire last oh, yeah. time and that was very depressing. But my next one is not. My next one's okay. All right. Well, look, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for doing that story. I, w- I, would, I don't like covering heavy hitters. You apparently do. I'm not doing any more. <laughs> I quit. John <laughs> um, Wayne Gacy's got me pissed off. You know what I, what I hated about it as well is just that I, like, was so angry at him. Like, his attitude about it all. He was just like, yeah, I own them and I'm powerful and yeah. I'm, like, so great and you all so are you, stupid. You know how uh, a thing that I know about John Wayne Gacy is that he used to paint from prison, right, and mm. sell his paintings from prison? Did he? Yep. What I've heard is that he did not actually used to paint them. He used to, like, um, like get inmates to paint them and then, like, had, he'd have a production line of painters and then sell them and then, like, you know, give a portion to the people that were painting. That is so typical of him. Of him, yeah. Like, just always, like, um, looking for the next, like, Getting trick. his way to the top, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think what is helpful to remember is that he's dead. Yeah, yeah. He's no longer in this on this earth. Yeah. I would prefer if he was like rotting in prison. As you know, I'm I'm against the death penalty. Mm. I, it does not work. Not because like I think it's like bad for human rights or anything like that. I, I I just think purely it does not work and it costs more to put someone to death than it does to keep him in prison for the rest of their life. Mm. But it is nice knowing that he's not It's nice knowing that not on the dead. planet yeah, anymore. Yeah, but like in my opinion, you should just like drive a knife through their neck. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> if that was the death penalty, yeah, all for it but but then again that would not work it does not deter crime which is the, the way they point. should have killed him is with the rope trick the rope trick and the 46 centimeter dildo yeah yeah but then he might have gotten off on that like who knows what his weird things are yeah yeah so fuck john wayne gacy i guess that's again not a hot take <laughs> <laughs> all right well what are you talking about next week um, next week, I'm talking about the Max, Max Headroom hijacking incident. Ooh, nice. That is yeah. a kind of fun one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. All right, cool. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so listen in next week and um, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Maybe go listen to a funny podcast after this or watch something. Watch something nice. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.